Hey, everybody. Hello. Hi. Welcome back to Reads and Weeds. <laughs> Already having so much fun. Um, this is Shelly Smith, and I'm here with Anna Gamolka. Say hello. 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 Um, the person who's had the made me the most better this year. <laughs> she gets that award. And also, she's brilliant singer, songwriter, multi instrumentalist marketing genius blah 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 <laughs> that whole thing and then we've got julie Barron. say hi julie hi hi julie is uh also low-key running the world <laughs> we've got a lot of like really casual low-key movers and shakers up in this room right here so julie um list tell us what you do i don't want to leave anything out okay I am a, a psychedelic integration therapist. Mm -hmm. I do that out of my own private practice, and I do that out of a ketamine clinic in Royal Oak. Um, I am the cannabis counselor and educational director at Blue Sage Health Consulting. I am the founder and president of Michigan Psychedelic Society and the founder and the executive director of Decriminalized Nature Ann Arbor. Well, okay then. <laughs> Busy girl. Yes. The mother yes. of two kick-ass daughters That's that right. I love to hang out with. <laughs> and a flautist with the yes. Detroit Symphony Orchestra. Detroit Medical. Medical Orchestra. Detroit Medical Orchestra. So that's all. That's that all. Game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yes. You have to go to school for like nine years to get into the that's Detroit right. Medical If you can't get into Detroit Symphony, then it's the farm team. <laughs> it's the farm team for the Detroit Symphony. And uh, Jamie Lowell's here. Speaking of, so here's what we're doing. We're doing a redo show for the book Smoke Signals, which we actually did a great recording at CRB Studios a couple months ago, and it did not get recorded. And I was heartbroken and mad. But then I wanted to get everybody back together because it's worth talking about. And... Uh, if you've never heard of the book Smoke Signals, it's um, by Martin Lee, and it's a social and economic and historic look at the cannabis movement, really from from thousands of years, but focusing on America around 1920, or I guess, through 2006. And um, Jamie, I knew I wanted Jamie to be on this show because somewhere... Uh, somewhere in there, he became a really critical part of the reform movement in Michigan. So, Jamie, tell us what you do. Okay, first of all, as, as far as that is concerned, it, this this is particularly cool because the history in this book goes up pretty solidly, too. It covers a lot of ground. You have a national kind of a global perspective and a lot of important components that went into, uh, you know, where we, where we ended up in 2006. Um, I came into the scene... Uh, 2008, 2009, and so it is. It is. It's. It's very uh, interesting to look back and see what what kind of foundation uh, you know we were we were leaping off from. I learned a lot about it over the years too, but this is a really comprehensive, nice, detailed account of it. In fact, Martin Lee's become kind of a new hero of mine. Learning about how he put this together and totally. and his insight yeah. into the into the whole world and everything. Um, so I haven't really done that. So what I have done over the last few years is I have to start the first dispensary in the state. Woo-woo! Um, third yes. Coast and Ipsy. Third Coast and Ipsy. Mm -hmm. Boom, boom. Uh, yes. Uh, 
more than later on, I, I did many things in between, and more later on was one of the co-authors of the legalization language we that passed mm -hmm. 2018 that we are experiencing the thank results you. of that. Right. Yeah, thank you, that's Jamie. Right. Yes, thank you. Uh, and I've been involved, I kind of told the line between activism, advocacy, and business for mm -hmm. over a decade, and uh, still a little hanging out with Third Coast a little bit. There's some changes going on there, but I'm also with the Botanical Company, mm -hmm. currently with the place open Love in them. Taos and uh, other places soon to come. Yeah, yeah. And uh, best friend of Zeta. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm her Tiny human. Dog. I'm her su support human. The support human. Yep. And uh, it's it's a beautiful relationship, which I totally appreciate. <laughs> so um, the first time that we talked about this, I was so overwhelmed with like the immensity of the. He does so much research. There's so much this. So so I tried to uh, just rein in like what how could we focus this discussion right because I was thinking there's like a personal history in coming aware that I realized like I'm look I'm thinking like there's a story in there about um central California or the Bay Area in the 90s and wow. all these things happened and I was like wait a minute I was selling books door to door in that town wow. when that happened and I was completely unaware because the internet wasn't there and like you're doing your own thing you know but I, I realized like this book made me realize how much I was already aware of but how much I wasn't aware of and when did I become aware so I want to talk to you guys about when you became aware that it was kind of like a movement for you and uh the and then I was trying to form the story in my mind like this is a story the cannabis legalization and the repeated times that people have tried to make it okay for medicine and all the Every, you know, thousands of years of women using it for pregnancy and it being a bomb for all these different kind of things. And it's a story of ignoring evidence and logic. Prohibition is a story, an overarching story of generation after generation ignoring. And there's all these ways that this played out. Um, it's a story of intentionally market, marketing fear. And so all these great things are going on. Jazz musicians are using it. And like people are healing each other and opening their minds. But also <laughs> it's being marketed in this really fearful way yeah. and scaring the shit out of everybody. And that, that is a history of this movement. And also um, shout out to activists and artists who just time and time and time again bring it up and we're like know? actively targeted for it too oh like, yeah you know oh, so yeah. dumb how they were literally like let's go after jazz musicians yeah <laughs> like right. ha, 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 ha. let's make them have a cabaret card to, to right. do poetry that we can easily take away yeah and like they can lose their livelihood like uh -huh. so it is a little upsetting uh, when you look back on the on the generations and generations generations and decades of people who were unnecessarily separated from cannabis, it could have made all the yeah. difference in, the, in their mm -hmm. in their lives. And yeah. it, these were, as Shelley points to, lack of logic. These were a few bureaucrats that were, that were figuring out a way to justify their jobs. Right. Yeah. Yes. And yeah. some just like in general, I mean, on like a very basic level, just super crazy people who like ended up in like a place of power, and then oh, no yeah. one did anything about it and they were all like oh well yeah nixon's super crazy and like always so <laughs> fucked up <laughs> but like it's fine we'll let it go for a while longer i guess you know like holy who shit cares? i know so the, yeah like the um 
the way that he wrote this book had enough fun in it about the movement to keep me from ripping my hair out and punching the wall. Because <laughs> part of the way through the book, I'm like, in, in the margins, if you look in the margins of my book, they'll be like, fuck. <laughs> because I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. So just all of a sudden, we just raided a bunch of normal gardening stores. <laughs> And put a bunch of regular old gardening stores out of business for oh some reason, goodness. late 80s. Why'd we do that? You know, it's like because anything even remotely connected to growing this plant was they trained cops to think that was evil, mm-hmm. to have growing supplies. Yeah. <laughs> so if, and, and the thing is, is also people are making great music and it's bringing people together and it's a movement and it's healing things. Yeah. And also, I mean, can we, people are getting arrested. Can we also talk about how cops are still making those things? I was, so I like post yeah. for Om Medicine mm-hmm. and I came across this article about this nasal sensor <laughs> they created. I saw that. In the, like, oh my God. I forget I the that. name some like kind of more rural town in Michigan mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and they created this device. That helps cops track quote stinky plants that are stinking up the community. Oh, that's right. That's so so you like oh, it on your nose? Oh <laughs> like, it, it looks kind of like a lo- like a loudspeaker or a bullhorn. Yes, yes. You hold it right up there to your nose, and it's like a little nostril shaped it's so thing insane. that has like yeah, and it's like it's wow, so they're insane. just gonna go around like you're just gonna be hanging out of your house one day, you know, and there's just gonna be a cop in the backyard. Looking around. <laughs> and they can smell weed. So, I mean, they're still, right, making these, like, crazy things to, like, I mean, that's that's ridiculous. Yeah. It's ridiculous. They're going to sense it out just so, to make sure it's, like, actually in an enclosed structure. Like, Yeah. Yeah. You know, so, Julie, so I'm so glad Julie's here because she has not read the book. And the reason why it's good to have somebody who hasn't read the book is you probably think, like, oh, I know a lot about the history of the cannabis movement, mm-hmm. right? And I do think that. Yeah, but when you... <laughs> yes, <laughs> she's like, I'm a fucking expert over here, <laughs> I know, I know. But what I would tell you is, Jamie, there was a lot of things in this book that surprised you, right? Yeah, this is, oh. a, this is a great compilation of stuff. I mean, in yeah. part because I focused on Michigan, you know, being mildly mm-hmm, aware of mm-hmm, other things, but... Mm-hmm. Man, there's, there's, mm-hmm. uh, I really appreciated reading this. And again, I really appreciate the research that, that Martin Lee did for this book. Yeah, yeah. So one of the things I'd like to do is, um, so Julie, this is kind of a fun thing about Jamie being tied into this book, is the book opens with this retired police officer cowboy who in 2005 March went across the country with his horse. It's like, <laughs> I'm a cop who wants to legalize drugs. And he was on Jazz Cabbage. Mm-hmm. He, he came on Jazz oh, Cabbage. Sure. No way. What's his name? Yeah, Howard Woolridge. Howard, Howard Woolridge. He came to. Uh, he he was a cop in outside of Lansing for a long time, oh, and he yeah. hated the. You know, he he yeah. understood the issues with the mm-hmm. war on drugs and prohibition, wow. and he came, became a lobbyist in Washington D.C. and helped to form Lee, right. which was originally called Law Enforcement Against Prohibition. Yeah. It's called yeah. something else now. I can never right, can remember right, what right. it is. But. Mm-hmm. Right. Well. Yeah, and he came out to help us out in Michigan during our legalization. Yeah. Right too. And when you think about how powerful that is he's a cop who discovers like that the war on drugs is bad and weed is good and he's so motivated that he takes a horse across the country he wears a t-shirt that says cops say legalize drugs ask me why yeah yeah love that yeah so um okay so the book starts with kind of this uh 
overarching look at, you know, the pharmacopoeia of Emperor Shenyang in 2700 BC mentions cannabis as a medicinal thing. And in ancient Vedic texts, it was a gift to the god or gift to the world from the god Shiva. And so he opens up this discussion with like the entire history of cannabis is rife with kind of paradox and polarity, like science and experience saying one thing and the government and kind of justice system saying another thing, right? And those things are always kind of swirling around each other throughout this story. So would you guys say that's pretty good? Oh, definitely. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, Here's a fun thing. Gage, the cannabis company that uh, just recently started opening in Michigan. Um, That's, I didn't realize that was a jazz Oh, like yeah. weed oh my reference. goodness, I didn't cool. even put yeah. that together, yeah. yeah. I didn't even realize that. Like when they, when I knew <laughs> oh they were named God. Gage, I was like, oh, okay, that's a neat name. And they also <laughs> are the organization that awarded our good friend Ryan Basor yeah. $50,000 yes. for a social They're equity program. They're super cool. Wow. I've been meeting with them. So he can them. do a product launch, and his product is called oh. Redemption. Redemption. Because he unnecessarily <laughs> went to yes. prison. Yes, yes, I love and it. And proceeds, he, he's it. helping out people who have been in the game for a long time who, yes. who have, who have like developed good so products good. and branded themselves well. Oh. And he also have proceeds going to help others, too, from his product yeah. launch. Wow. He's a very, very awesome guy. Yes, wow. awesome. Ryan, is the, I, I wanted him to be on here. I, want, he, I sent him a book. He will be at some point. I'm sure he I likes know. to read. Yeah. But I, I sent him this book. I, uh, I he's, got he's it. Busy. From, I, I know he's busy. Did you see that great <laughs> Facebook picture of him smoking? Yes, Did you I see that. It's, it's awesome. so awesome. He was, he was featured in a uh, in like a Lansing uh, uh, publication. You know, wow. so yeah. area up and coming dude. And, you know, he had, he came out. Mo- I mean, he, he wasn't broken by that experience. He came out more motivated than yeah. Oh, yeah. He is kicking ass. And I he thought it was awesome ass. to see that picture too because I feel like. I mean, it was, it's like a really like professional headshot, Yeah. but it's like him just smoking a joint and you don't see that really like in any magazine right. or any, like right. any, anywhere. Yeah, really. We're kind of moving forward a little bit. That's yeah. a sign, right? It was, yeah. yeah it it's a lot more acceptable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're doing the, I, we just did the photo shoot on Tuesday. Lisa Conine was there. Yeah, Allison was there for um you know women in cannabis the cover of the M- mm-hmm. MICI magazine that'll come out and I'm on it <laughs> and I'm like wait what and then I'm looking around I'm like oh I do work in this organization and I guess I do have kind of been involved for about 10 years <laughs> you know what I mean but I don't know if I'm sitting next to Robin Snyder and you, you know what I mean but I'm like mm-hmm. oh it is mm-hmm. I have been I was yeah I, but I can't remember. Do you remember when it's changed for you into some kind of because not everything becomes a cause, right? Yeah. Not everything becomes a cause. Like some people have a cause, mothers against drunk driving, or they have a cause like cleaner water, and they latch onto it, and it becomes their cause, right? And I'm I wish I've been trying to figure out when cannabis became that like quasi all encompassing cause for me. Um, do you know, any of you know the era? What was yours, Anna? Well, I started using, I started smoking weed when I was like probably 14 or 15. Like I was in high school and I got arrested when I was like 16. I was like behind the school, about to go to my math class. And I love math. Like it's so fun. (laughs) And so like, of course I want to get high at 630 in the morning before I do math. Uh Yes. And, Makes um, perfect sense. Yeah, and like the cop came out, you know, and he was like, "Oh, you're supposed to be in class." It was like five minutes late or whatever, and then 
right. I should have just run. There was just props. <laughs> because I was now right. on school ground. There was props at your school just to make sure you're going to class? They were like, what? they patrolled the school, like the blue line oh. guys, you know? Oh, 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 and then okay. like the principal was there too. And he was like, we'll go to class. We'll call you here later. Because oh, I was like, I'm not doing anything. <laughs> you know, like, and I got arrested. And it was like, I mean, I was, you know, terrible. My family, I was grounded forever. It was like the worst thing that could ever happen. My dad left me. <laughs> The Livonia holding cell oh, overnight, but I was sick and it was just like, it was terrible. And I had to stop. I was on probation and all this stuff. And then I started using cannabis again when it was over. Mm-hmm. And I was like, you know, at that time, it's like, this is, am I going to do this again? Am I going to get in trouble again? You know, I yeah, promised yeah. I wouldn't and all this stuff. But something there really like, I think, clicked in me. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I didn't start working at OM until <clears throat> 2000. Uh, seven uh, 2018 um, but I think it really like I don't know that for sure like pushed my me going from just like a, a you know a bud tender or someone who worked at a dispensary to really an advocate um, so I think that like furthered it even more but I think that initial cause was getting arrested I think you know mm. because mm. now especially like no one should be arrested for that you know we're fighting for reparations yes. for the war on drugs you know at home yesterday um, one of the artists we have there from the Prison Creative Arts Program came in, and he's, like, in his late 70s, and he was arrested when he was 17. I don't know what for, you know, what? but the fact of the matter is he was arrested when he was 17, This and he was in jail until, like, two years ago. What? He was in his late 70s. Oh, my God. You know, it's like no one, you know, and there are people in jail for cannabis like that, and it should not be that way, mm-hmm. so. Yeah. Currently. Yeah. Oh, Yeah. Oh yeah, Sorry to kind of delve off there. <laughs> oh no, well that that well that's that's how it happens. Yeah, is like Robin, you know, executive director of the Michigan Cannabis Industry Association, was a little kid, and feds came and took her dad. <laughs> like she was oh just like God. a little kid, and wow. she was like, "Wait a minute." This is fucked up. You know what I mean? And then the, her family had grocery stores and in the eighties when they raided all those grocery stores. They raided their grocery. Like her life was like traumatized and and other than being traumatized by the cops there wasn't Mm. anything wrong with and in her mind it was like this isn't right this isn't right you know this is because it just doesn't make sense it doesn't make sense and Mm. then she's she's a funny person to tell the story because she's like all of a sudden there's this white lady on the Capitol steps with a bullhorn saying, stop the raids. Uh. And I got a lot of media attention. But it, it's funny, but it's true. Because it's like, that's when the legislators are like, okay, wait, shit. There is a white lady with a megaphone, you know. And, and it's like, oh, okay, that's powerful. That's worth doing. And she hated to fly. She like got on a train and rode all around. <laughs> so she was trying to raise enough money for Prop One because she was the campaign director. Is that right? The finance director for yeah, the campaign. She worked that with the MPP, and they came into town and was with the, the, yeah. the coalition and and did the uh, and had to go raise the funds. So yeah, right. Did, did stuff like so, go to out of state sources and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and so she's telling this story about. A, she's on like a train, right? Because she was afraid to fly. B, a lot of cannabis people have cash. Do you know what I mean? So she's like, here's the deal. You know, she's talking to the other people in the organization. I'm either like riding the train with $500,000 cash or like like they don't don't have checks, you know? And I just think about a lot of this industry is also... 
the industry really wants to happen and the banking being the way is so such a very clear yeah. picture of the battle all the way down the field okay. is like the there's the desire for this thing and then structures put in place to keep it from happening. Mm-hmm. And banking is still that thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Like we were we're trying to get a CRM for our for the association and realizing that certain payment services that you just expect to be able to use online yeah, you can't not available yeah. yeah that's right yeah mm-hmm. have you found that with the psychedelic oh yes absolutely yeah mm-hmm. yeah but it's okay. interesting too because you think like i mean it's obviously like a really lucrative thing right now so you know that makes it even more illogical because it's like yeah. then why aren't they doing it like wait a second this is right. you know yeah right like that's even more of a reason that they should and there's something like some I don't know, upper working that's going on or something. That's what messes me mm. up a little bit. Right. Like right. you don't even know like why they're not the banks aren't even participating. You right. Know? Right. And they don't either. <laughs> they don't either. <laughs> they want to bank. They want to. Right. They want the money <laughs> they coming want through to. them without question. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're just mm-hmm. like, I've been in networking events with banks and I'm s i am I think I'm gonna sit down and have this. Let me talk to them about cannabis and they're like oh no no we're with you a hundred percent we're ready to play but they've made the rules so that we'd have to like hire a full-time somebody Mm. to be like to really complicate shit you know like Mm. instead of just letting it happen so um founding fathers yeah (laughs) they were all about it Mm. yes (laughs) they were all about it Um, That part's really interesting to me, too, though, because, I mean, like, a lot of the founding fathers were, like, slaveholders, and it was, like, really, like, the entire hemp industry, like, the machine behind it all was, like, slaves, and I think that's so interesting, you know, in our history, just, like, I don't know, because we, like, we learn some stuff about slavery, but, like, we don't learn about, like, a lot of, like, what they were actually doing, like, they always focus on tobacco and things like that. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. cotton. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, cotton, cotton tobacco, yeah. but, like, you do not learn about, like, oh, yeah, and also the Declaration of Independence was, like, written on hemp paper mm-hmm. that was probably, like, cultivated by slaves and, like, yep. you know. Oh, yeah. It's like, wow, that, like, puts it all, like, I don't know, it just links it all together. Uh-huh. That was uh-huh. really fascinating for me. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> hey so you said something about you, you learn a little bit about this but not about this so I was wondering like when you were in school were you aware of did you have an opinion about alcohol prohibition like in did your school? family have oh. an opinion about like what was prohibited and what was how was prohibition or cannabis or talked about or not talked about growing up hmm. In my family, it was all very um, undesirable. Let's just say that. My family was not super into um, alcohol. And um, weed was equivalent to crack in their minds. Like they just didn't, they had no understanding of. Of what it was. Mm-hmm. And, uh, <laughs> oh wait, Julie. Well, that's how it's presented. It's on the list yes. of with yes. Yes. heroin and crack yeah. and all that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wait a minute, Julie. You have to tell this story. This is one of my favorite stories about you. So we're all all this big group of girls are hanging out one day, and Julie's friend Asia, who she's known a really long time, and I've just met in the last year and a half or so. And we're good friends now. And I go, 
Well, how did you guys meet? <laughs> so tell them how you and Aisha met. It's the greatest. We were part of um, a group in high school whose parents made us go to uh, like a drug um, abstinence program. <laughs> called, drug called drug and alcohol. Um, it was called PADAP. Was PADAP. the one that Aisha was part of. Um, and the, the, the group I was part of didn't actually have a name, but it was all the same basic thing. Right. Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's how we know each other. So they met. <laughs> Got padapped. <laughs> they met in padap. Exactly. Yes. And so Julie went through this anti... So this this is the reality. So there used to be programs. When were you in high school? Like 91 to... I graduated in 91. Okay. Mm-hmm. So this is exactly reflected in this book that like kids were being drug tested and stuff <laughs> like that. Right? That became a thing. Mm-hmm. And Julie... Um, Went to one of those programs, and now she's the head of the Michigan Psychedelic <laughs> Society. She works at a dispensary. It cracks me Working up. Working really hard to end the drug war. Right, Because exactly. from a very young age, these were um, things that I saw very clearly. I understood at a very, very young age. When you said, you know, when did you yeah, know yeah, the yeah. cannabis? You know, when did you start the, the fight, you know, for mm-hmm. cannabis? And for me, it was when I was 14 or 15 when I first tried it. And I made a connection with this plant. I was mm-hmm. growing this plant by the time I was 18 or 19. Um, I was very connected, starting to use psychedelics, at, you know, in, in high school. I was I saw it so very clearly, and I was well aware that these substances weren't damaging mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that um, they were part of healing because I could see it within myself and the people around me. But every message on every end that I could see was telling me how terrible and dangerous they are. But I knew better at that time. Yeah. Damn. Um, Jamie, do you know? Yeah, I kind of do. So one thing I want to point out, uh, you know, and and I've noticed this too, no matter how much risk there is for using cannabis at certain times, depending on what era we're talking about or what specific situation you're in, I've done this and hear you guys saying it now, no matter what you've been through, we always like, can't be deterred from from knowing that it's okay to use this plant. Right, that it's good. Right. right, it's an inner knowing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and I, it, yeah. I definitely had that. I've been I've been you know exposed to it since I was pretty young. I have older sisters who in a in a mother who didn't like care too much about certain behaviors in the house mm-hmm. or whatever, and uh, and I I use I didn't like smoke consistently, but I used cannabis from a first time at a very young age and. Uh, and it's just always kind of been uh, been around. And when um, things got rolling for me in this world, uh, was when our real estate venture. I was a uh, investor and in, uh, you know, on a small scale with some rental properties, and I was a appraiser. And the clients, the brokers, uh, were experiencing some issues. And there's, there's the I mean, historic kind of you know real estate bubble that screwed a lot of stuff up there a few years ago. Mm-hmm. And uh, we basically didn't have much going on in that world anymore. And uh, it was around the time that medical marijuana passed. And we cooperated on being in Ipsy. They had a building. I've gone to that building that is now Third Coast for 10, 11 years mm-hmm. before that for, you know, and for real estate issues, for, you know, for the, for the uh, servicing those clients there, brokers. And uh, we we jumped on that opportunity and then other people were kind of handling the, the press that came with it. And 
we kind of naively just, you know, thought, hey, we can start doing this now because it passed and really looked too right. Let's so, open a shop, guys. So, All right. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Bring in some weed and we'll set it on the counter. Yeah, you know, and then a lot of business things un plan. unfolded from there. And 2008 cannabis <laughs> business plan. It was like a page with crayon on it. Yep. $800, a couple of friends that grew. Yep. That plus the fact that it was an area that... Uh, you know, we like our weed. Didn't really care too much, you know. <laughs> yeah. but, right, so it worked right. out pretty good. And right. the county, the main thing, this is kind of a side, but the main thing is that the county prosecutor didn't make an issue out of it. Yes. There, there's been a, you know, a, an issue with it being piecemeal around the state, depending mm -hmm. on where somebody oh, wants yeah. to be aggressive. Or oh they my don't. god! And obviously in Washtenaw County, we've been really lucky, yes. you know, for a long time. But we got rolling in that way, and had other people that were that were doing the um, uh, press stuff and and. Uh, and consulting and going to the meetings and uh, local governments and uh, Lansing and all the stuff just to try to legitimize what we were doing. And uh, and issues took place, and I ended up just kind of unwittingly falling into that role, and I pretty much have been there ever since. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. So I think... Uh, well, no, I've already told, I've already told that story. I wanted you to read something, Julie. Mm -hmm. So there's this quote that we've all <laughs> talked about. I think we've all talked about it. I think it's on page 78. I think I might've written something out to the side of it. So let me know when you get to page 78. I am on 78. Does it say chasm? Mm -hmm. Okay. So we've all talked about the, th there's this knowing of like, I feel better. There's nothing wrong with this. This is just a plant. <laughs> and what we've been marketed and told and made to fear. And there's this, there's a chasm. So there's a quote there that is, does a good job of describing this, I think. Okay. Once they tried marijuana, many Americans wondered if they could trust the government to tell the truth about anything. <laughs> Not surprisingly, pot smokers in the early 1960s tended to harbor anti-establishment attitudes. It wasn't the chemical composition of cannabis that endangered a general skepticism towards authority. It was the chasm between the lived, lived experience and the official anti-marijuana mythology enshrined in federal legislation that mandated five years in prison for possessing a single stick of grass. That was a really good job reading, Julie. Oh, well, well, thank you. You you clarified the one word that I wouldn't be able to pronounce, which was chasm. <laughs> so thank you for just saying that You're right welcome. off the bat. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah, you would have had to get there and do that super embarrassed. Chasm? That's what I would have said. Shames? I would have said chasm. Shazam? Is this how you spell Shazam? And I just never knew it. <laughs> Holy shit. That is what we all talk about, though, right? It's the yeah. chasm. The chasm is like the lived experience versus what you've been fed, what, what has been fed to you. Mm -hmm. And I feel like it's an issue in a lot of different arenas yes. in my life. Yes. Like the issue, like I'll, I'll give you an example. Middle-aged single woman. Right. Mm -hmm. That isn't marketed. It's like a super hot, fun thing to be. <laughs> right. And then they don't live our lives. Right. And then, and then you're like, wait a minute, I'm that. And I'm fucking awesome. Exactly. <laughs> wait a they minute. I do whatever know. the fuck I want. I love my job. I slept eight hours last night. I'm hanging out, smoking weed with a puppy. Like, <laughs> my life is the very best, exactly. you know, got great friends, you know, feeling good, healthy. And like, I think growing up, my understanding was that was not the definition. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And now I'm like, wait, that whole can I trust what's being told to mm -hmm. me 
I think is a key to opening your mind to going, oh, okay, why do we see this is bad and this is good? Mm-hmm. And so I was, I want you guys to comment on this. Okay. So here's what I've been thinking is because it's, we meet all these um, activists through the book. You know, we meet like, is it Dennis Perron mm-hmm. who runs the place in California for a long time, right? And we meet um, Wooldridge, you know, we meet... Uh, uh, and then our people, st- well, J- Steve Giangelo shows up. You know, all these people that show up and they decide, like, I'm like Allen Ginsberg is going to stand on the steps and right. be like, pot is fun, and just decide that one day, like, I'm going to do this, you know? Mm-hmm. And I thought, how does someone go from closed minded to open minded? Maybe not closed minded to activist, but how does someone go? You know what I mean? So. So tell me what you think about this. To go against something that you've been taught to believe requires a unique combination of motivation, like there's a reason for this, open-mindedness, mm-hmm. maybe evidence, you know, an example, mm-hmm. and, and also confidence. Because <clears throat> I remember knowing, having a, this little period of time where I knew what was right, but I wasn't ready to do anything about it. Mm-hmm. I was too scared. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. the risk... Uh-huh. Of being that person who was like, let those people out of jail was, I, I wasn't bold enough yet. Mm-hmm. I just kind of knew and was like, wait a minute, where are we? At? You know, I was still in that. I know this, but now I'm a little bit scared because knowing yeah. is a little bit scary at first, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. I think that's why a lot of people are blocked. So mm-hmm. anyway, I just wanted your thoughts about because all of you guys work in a place where you've either had to convince someone or come up against someone to get a license or to sell them something or whatever they walk into the shop. So what do you think it is that causes someone to go from I see this as a harmful thing to I'm open and it should be legal? Well, I'll I'll be happy to... uh, Yeah, it was long. I hope you guys followed. A couple things that (laughs) I've seen that that have worked the most. (laughs) Okay is uh, when somebody close to a skeptic benefits mm-hmm. from using cannabis yeah. and yeah. they see it for themselves. Yes. Oh, man. Firsthand. To see that a lot. And then there, there are some people who just believe the... the inc- and remember, this has been internalized over generations. This is difficult to shake. You know, people just believe it without having to think too much more about it. Right. And, right. Uh, but when challenged to say, oh, well, really, why do you think that? Mm-hmm. You know, then mm-hmm. the scrambling begins. And some people are interested in knowing the truth. And yeah. when you start that discussion and, and point out that there's been a lot of misinformation flying around, mm-hmm. there are, there will be some people that, that get it at that point. Mm-hmm. So yeah. sometimes the seed is sown and it takes a little while and, and, that, and that type mm-hmm. of stuff. There are people that, I, you know, may or may not ever come around and... Yeah. And we're yeah. looking at you know, right. living with that until as long as they're around. But I think it's cool that a lot of people now have the opportunity to like make that decision for themselves and to know that they're within their legal limits. Yeah. You know, because I feel like for some people it really is just that letter of the law and like that mm-hmm. fear oh, of the yes. law. Yes. Oh yeah. And like especially with recreational now, I mean, working at home, it's crazy because not only do we see those people who are like coming in you know really like i don't want to try this but i have cancer and i have Uh you know two Uh years and like i am literally like this sucks you know and then they come back and they're like oh okay maybe i'll get something a little stronger Uh, you know and then you see them like we've seen people now six seven years later and they're like coming in like giving us hugs and like thanking Uh us for what we've given them you know just Uh like yeah like a safe space to like talk to someone about you know 
get all those feelings out, I guess, mm-hmm. you know, those feelings mm-hmm. of hesitancy. But also now that it's recreational, people can come in and make that choice for themselves, you know, if they want to try it. And I think that's really cool. I feel like I th- this question is uh, is pretty deep, actually, because I feel like I, I do this part for a living is really help people. Oh, yeah. Um, with cannabis, with psychedelics and with just life in general. How do people um, actually kind of cut the bullshit away and pay attention to what's real? You know, mm-hmm. what them, their, their self is telling them, watching the people around them. Um, but it is really one of the greatest things, like you just said, is having a, a client come in who I sit with who maybe was a DEA um, drug mm-hmm. raider who now has cancer. Who sits down across the couch from me saying, I can't believe I'm even here. I can't believe I'm even doing this, but I'm really in (laughs) such a desperate place Mm -hmm. and I'm ready to try this. And they're half terrified and half like wanting to, it's it's such a, it's so powerful. And this is, this doesn't happen one time, right? It happens over and over and over and over Mm -hmm. again in in Mm -hmm. multiple different scenarios. It's really powerful. And so it's interesting what it takes. What does it take for what each person take to get to that point? To so for me, open-minded. like yeah. I said, when I was young, that was my personality. I was the person who was the question authority. I'm not going to listen to everything you tell me and believe it. That was just my personality. That's just who it I am. It still is. And it still is. <laughs> it still is. But not everybody's like that. And and you know, not that it's negative because it's it's negative. There's no no judgment. It's not either neither negative or positive. But. Um, it, it's interesting what what does it take and that's an interesting question but I love how you laid that out with the different things what did you say motivation what was that again that you said oh um that was really good motivation open-mindedness maybe evidence and mm-hmm. confidence like yes. boldness yeah because yes. I think there's a fear here's where I think some people get stuck right there they're curious they're walking up to it and then they catch a glimpse of if I change my mind about this what would it mean? And a lot of times, a lot of times I think the scariest part is it would mean that I've been believing a lie for 20 years. And that's, that's making me feel weird. You know, like what if all Mm -hmm. of a sudden that's why people don't question their faith or question their, you know, whether or not this person is abusing them because they're like, well, if I let that little glimmer of truth through, Mm -hmm. is it, am I going to be able to handle it? You Mm -hmm. know? So when you start thinking like, so wait a minute, wait a minute, all of those presidents and their wives were like addicted to tranquilizers <laughs> during the like just say right, no years. Right. Is that for real? <laughs> you know, it's like, yeah. like millions of people were on Prozac when we were just ramping up the incarceration mm-hmm. rates by 800. Mm. 800% when I think Clinton got in mm. office, he was going to be like the cool president. Mm-hmm. And then <laughs> incarceration rates literally more than quadruple prison industrial complex mm-hmm. yeah set mm-hmm. into motion yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah and i feel like the reason why it's hard to face the truth like why is because it's so uncomfortable because what are you going to do now now that you know mm-hmm. right now now what now you got to do yeah. something like now right. that you understand that right. a shitload of people are in prison because they smoked weed and you realize how fucked up it is it's like it's hard to just sit on that information Mm -hmm. it's hard like you kind of want to okay well that's wrong (laughs) okay Mm -hmm. what what do we we got to talk about this you know and then realizing how big the problem is yeah 
It's big. Yeah, and it, and it can be life-shattering because, and what does that mean about your other beliefs? Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. It's right. scary. It's like, well, I could either, oh, my gosh, this is interesting. I think this is the third, 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 <laughs> the third podcast in a woe. <laughs> I, like, I know that my voice just changed there. I was intentional. Um, I really didn't. It was scary. Okay, so this is the third podcast in a row where I've talked about uh, one of my pet peeves, which is um, what I call like intentional ignorance, right? It's you know, if as you watch someone go, I've received this information and now I know the truth, and then they decide to ignore it mm -hmm. yeah. and to live in a way that they know is not true. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's like, this, it's like you're going to put your hand over your eyes and yeah. be intentionally blind. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. you have an image and you you force it no matter yeah. what. Yeah what facts actually come into play. Yeah, I'm yes. going to wave this flag yeah. and wear this eagle on my T-shirt <laughs> and sing a country song like I love mm -hmm. this country and I'm going to shoot anyone that's different than me. Right. It's like, right. oh, wait, wait, but, but don't you see, like, those two things don't really go together. And, like, <laughs> if you really love freedom, then you'd know that, you know, it seems so logical to me. Like, if this is your set of beliefs then of course you'd want yeah. your entire town to grow hemp because it's so profitable and it's so mm -hmm. good. And like, of course you want this healing option for the people if you love your country. And the, the, the way that those two butt up against each other, I can't help but see it as like, oh no, we know, but we're going to pridefully hold on to this ancient mm. bullshit mm -hmm. because we're too like embarrassed to admit how yeah. fucked up it was. Right. You know, it's like, oh yeah, no, no, no. We realize that we raided this Vietnam veteran's property uh, to steal and burn his home crop. Shoot his dog. Perhaps. Shoot his dog, you know, because he... Uh, was using cannabis for glaucoma. Point, we we understand that, and we're just faces. not going to talk right. about Take the it. Money that's in like, the piggy bank. Right. We're going to be like, get out of our state, or whatever. It's like, no, 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 think about it. It could be better. It could be better, mm -hmm. you know? And I think I'm okay with people who don't know and have maybe never had a way to know. Sure. But in this day and age, it's hard. That's not as valid of an argument anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. not. Mm -hmm. There's ways to know shit now. <laughs> I think it's interesting too, just that moment of like understanding that it's it's not something that's evil and it's you know mm -hmm. condemned you know and it shouldn't be and all of these things because I think that's also like a part of like I don't know our evolution you mm -hmm. know as a people like it's like when you try psychedelics for the first time and you realize like okay you know whatever I have thought is like not true now and there are no restraints and I'm mm -hmm. completely in a place where mm -hmm. I'm just existing yeah. and I have to look at that mm -hmm. whether I want to or not right. you know yeah and if you can take that and instill that and understand that it and then have the the confidence at least in yourself you know and how you feel mm -hmm. to like move forward with that and know that it's something that's good and then maybe even to fight for it you know mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know i think that's really powerful like in our evolution you mm -hmm. know yeah well you know what's interesting is so there's this whole harry anslinger and did you see yes we'd can did you see that musical julie no oh mm -hmm. shit but you guys did didn't <clears throat> you did you see it anna i couldn't make it oh my god <laughs> It's so great. I know you've seen it because I saw you there. It's and the, the original version and the second version yeah. when it came back. Yeah. yeah. So I learned a lot about Harry Anslinger oh, yeah. in that musical because he's a character, you know. Oh, and it, it was funny, but they did base it on historical. Oh, facts, yeah. No, no, no. You know? so it was, it was there to teach a lesson. Have way, you yeah. seen it, Taylor? 
Oh my gosh, it's so good. I want to like call Sean and tell him to do it again. I'm sure they will. Do it again. Uh, yeah. <clears throat> yes. Yeah. We'll we'll turn it out. Um, you know, they were on the steps. The, the it's a you know it's a musical, they, and, and everybody in it is great. I mean, mm -hmm. just great singers, musicians. And they came to Hash Bash and did a couple of the tunes on stage. Oh, from oh the yeah. Song. yeah. I did yeah. see that actually. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so Harry Anslinger, um, I learned about him. Maybe a lot of people just know about him from history. But after the failed alcohol prohibition, he kind of didn't have a job anymore. He just needed something to do. And I think he was also <laughs> dating or engaged to William Randolph Hearst's niece, maybe. Is that sounding right, y'all? Um, and uh, he became this force, this hysterical <laughs> force for crazy anti-marijuana propaganda for years and for targeting mm -hmm. artists and for, yeah. and I mean. Hysterical is a good, a good word for it. I mean, just like off the rail. <laughs> like driven by madness. <laughs> like reefer madness is hilarious. Well, this is the guy who's, who's like needs something to do and uh, mm -hmm. yeah. is recreating some of the, some of the things that were done in the past, like with the Chinese opium dens and things like that, uh, yeah. they've kind of recreated that attack on using Mexicans and, and the, the musicians and, uh, you know, right. all that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. yeah he yeah. really just targets, like, I mean, it's really, like, sad. Like, just, he targets mm -hmm. the people that are the most vulnerable, that are literally doing nothing wrong. It's, like, social it's control. really driven out of hatred. Yeah, social same, control. Same thing that why Nixon made it a schedule one drug for right. social control. Yeah. Yeah, I learned a lot about Nixon in here, too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, man. <laughs> he was, like, I think Trump is kind of scary, you know, ranting and raving type of person. <laughs> and and it's, you know, it, 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 I feel, almost feel like if you had a really, really rich friend in high school whose parents didn't put a lot of, like, restrictions on him, and they were just like, I wrecked my Porsche, and I'm like, <laughs> whatever, is kind of how uh, I see our current uh, uh, president, uh -huh. you know? Yeah. Um, because it's, it's, he's flailing around, you know, not noticing his consequences. And it, and it scares me until I think we've lived through a bunch of crazy-ass presidents. Yeah. Yeah. We have. Or leaders in general. We've lived through some crazy-ass Nothing leaders. like this current one. No. Nothing I don't know, this though. Yeah. I don't know, though. Think about, think about Nixon. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, the amount of hypocrisy and insanity just in his, just in his anti-drug stance. Just being kind of a crazy alcohol pill taking madman, yeah. but stomping out, you know, cannabis. That's pretty crazy. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. It's pretty crazy. Um Yeah. So okay. So while this is going on and it's still going on this way, which I you know, when I think about this book, there's always like sides, right? And in some books, there's a lot of books that I'm like, oh, this is the side I'm on. But on this one, it's so hugely clear. Do you know what I mean? There's like science, music, <laughs> nature, um, kindness, <laughs> compassion, healing on one side. Mm -hmm. And on the other side is like money, government, um, oppression, judgment, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. prohibition, ignoring the other side. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, wow, I'm so clearly on this side. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I'm 100% no questions asked on this mm -hmm. side, because why would you choose the other side? I don't understand. Yeah. Like what is, 
what is the thing? Like, I can't think of a th- another thing that I would just like, I'm against that, even though I've had mm-hmm. no interaction with it at all. <laughs> like, I don't really want fake boobs, but like, sure, don't go to jail for getting <laughs> fake boobs. You know what I mean? <laughs> even though it might like leak into your system and cause you a whole bunch of other illnesses mm-hmm. and t- use up all your bank account. It's like, mm-hmm. that's fine. Do you know what I mean? I don't like going to NASCAR events, mm-hmm. <laughs> but like mm-hmm. I have no opinion on the laws regarding the matter. Right. So it's this baffling thing of like, why do you even care whether or not we can do this? And I think it's because, again, of the marketing, like in the 80s when crack was killing a lot of people. Right. And so the sweeping kind of government attention paid to that they just kind of lumped in cannabis. They just lumped in marijuana with like, be scared of drugs, and this Mm -hmm. is one. Mm -hmm. And even though before then, before that era, there was already maybe 14 states who had started putting forth medical marijuana amendments. There was already people with like packs of government-issued cigarettes already. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. That's crazy hypocrisy of the movement, too, is how many people are double dealing. Yeah. Yeah. So why don't we do this? Can we play um, one of the other songs we've got queued up? Maybe Julie's favorite song. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have that? What is it, Julie? Sing a couple of notes for us, honey. Pick it. Pack it. Fire it up. Come along and take (laughs) hits from the bong. (laughs) Thank you. Julie used to be the lead singer with Cypress Hill. (laughs) (laughs) We'll take a little break and uh, have some mango juice and uh, (laughs) pet pet the puppy, which actually means pet the puppy. It's nothing.
sight of sight. Gather around, folks, while I give you all the lowdown. It's a mess, too. Tables were filled with gaudy frails, chewing on their fingernails. They were waiting for the man from Harlem. Things are moving kind of slow. Everybody's nerves were getting jumpy, you know, people sort of frivolous like that. All at once the room was still, men forgot all about the bill. Who should enter but the man from Harlem? Why, look at that cat. Come in here, she growling. Just let him growl. Getting off a mess, ain't it? Oh, you mugging, that's what you mugging. Mugging, so help me. Everybody rolled their eyes. Women started heaving sighs. Someone hollered, music, lights, and gin. Come on, let's get out here. Everybody cleared a space. They had big, broad smiles on every face. How they all loved to see the man from Harlem. Oh, oh, when he started in to step, he filled everyone with plenty pep. He'd twist and squirm. It just was a dirty shame. Everyone was in a daze. Women watched him with amaze. Each one said she'd have the man from home. Can you blame him? Can you blame him? Oh, this man's a man. This man is mugging. Ah, lay ragging, lay ragging. Lay ragging down. Ah, you're mugging. Yes, indeed, really. Looked over in the corner. There was a couple frails, and it sure did look kind of low. Hey, we're back. So uh, I was just telling the crew, if you've ever been like listening and think, I want to come on there, wonder what it's like. Well, it's super fun. And today I brought little pigs in a blanket, which if you're unfamiliar with this high-end type fair, it is a little smoky, <laughs> little smoky brand beef sausage. In a little cut-up crescent roll, it's just delicious. And then I've got some just regular crescent rolls. I've got some dates. I've got mango tango smoothie. <coughs> and I've got granola bars and then a variety of preserves and spreads and medicated Cro honey and croissant. Mm -hmm. And there's a puppy. There's instruments around and really cool people. So if that sounds lame, I guess you don't want to hang out with us. <laughs> <laughs> but if it sounds cool, then we read a lot and you can join us. Um, I don't say that enough, Anna. I've realized, like, mm -hmm. I need to talk to people and be like, hey, come do this. Because every yeah. once in a while I'll get an email and people are like, um, is that for real? Because I was thinking about reading the book. I'm like, yeah, 100%. Do it. Do it. Be the first one. <laughs> and, uh, and then I think they're surprised <laughs> that I responded. Yeah. Have you found that? Like when mm -hmm. people interact with someone on social media, they don't know. And I'm like, hey, I'm Shelly. <laughs> yes, let's be friends. <laughs> they're like, oh, hey. <laughs> <laughs> but I do want you to respond because I like talking to people about books. So I don't care if you're a stranger to a degree. Right. <laughs> don't be a freak. <laughs> yes. Yes. Be friendly. Yes. Sure. Okay. Friendly strangers. Um, I prefer friendly strangers. <laughs> Don't be one of those whack-ass strangers. Don't be creepy. Uh, so the reason why I wanted to play that song out, that was um, the man from Harlem. Was it Cab Calloway? Right? And there's this story. So all through this book, we're, t we're talking about Smoke Signals by Martin Lee. And all through this book... Um, 
these people pop up that are like, oh, this person isn't just going to be kind of in the game a little bit. They're going to be majorly in the game. And people like John Sinclair and mm -hmm. Steve D'Angelo and mm -hmm. Brownie Mary and mm -hmm. um, Dennis Perron and, and those people that are just like, they took a stance at that exact moment and then just kept doing it and just kept doing it. So that song, I think, The Man from Harlem refers to this kid he was like uh, a jewish kid from chicago this white kid who just kind of started hanging out in the jazz crowd and dropped out and started being like the weed dealer of the jazz crowd right yeah. and they called him like the mayor reefer or something I, do you guys remember who i'm talking about here yep. this dude um and then there was debbie oh shit i got my notes mixed up oh the Mez, they called him the Mez, the Reefer King. And in the, you know, right after Prohibition, he was the guy that was, like, getting everybody weed. And, um, wait, there's a couple other people that I wanted to point out. Do, to do. Hey, um, Julie, mm -hmm. we're going to jump ahead to page 207. Okay. Um, well, I think the Mez was Milton Mesro. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, was he the? Was he? Yeah, Mel he was the guy, though. He, he was, was the, the guy. guy. Yeah, yeah, the Mez. Well, it's a Nobel Prize economist Milton Friedman quote. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Uh huh. So I love what I love to see in here is he's mixed activists. Like there's the people who are screaming on the steps somewhere, but there's also the scientists who print a report and it's like, this is good for you. There's nothing wrong with it. Like that happens 14 times in this story. It's happening all over the world where there's a independent commission like hey go study cannabis and find out what you can and the report comes back the report says uh helps with all these different things and it's the best thing for seizures yeah, it's like it's aspirin maybe or something like that yeah yeah and then um and then it's ignored and the lie continues mm -hmm. and it happens over and over and over again so so there's that kind of activism of people just in their way in the role that they're in just plainly and non-politically stating the truth and then political figures taking that truth and either ignoring it or making it about something else mm -hmm. so anyway mm -hmm. so milton freeman was nobel prize economist um around maybe early 80s so read that part yeah, so in an open letter to William Bennett published in the Wall Street Journal in September 1989, the Nobel Prize economist Milton Friedman declared, Your mistake is failing to recognize that the very measures you favor are a major source of evils you deplore. The darling of the Reaganite free market crowd was a strong advocate for legalizing pot. He denounced prohibition as an attempt to cure that makes even worse, the drug war was doomed to fail and would shred the Constitution and grind up freedom in the process, freedom warned. The path, or sorry, freedom warned. <laughs> the path you propose of more police, more jails, use of military in foreign countries, harsh penalties for drug users, and a whole panoply of repressive measures can only make a bad situation worse. Yeah. So isn't it amazing that it's not just like bureaucrats not listening to crazy hippies it's bureaucrats not listening to science and mm -hmm. the nobel yeah. <laughs> prize winning mm -hmm. economists you know because they like, started generating revenue from it and they right. wanted to keep the gravy train going and improve on it right right mm -hmm. so 
So forfeiture. So this is something I probably didn't really become aware of until um, probably in the last 10 years, right? So I wasn't one of those people that grew up experiencing somebody like seizing property, although there are little kids in Michigan and people like Robin who, my friend Gil, actually, I don't know if you remember Gil mm-hmm. from I the do. early days. And West Gil was, State. yep, like taking a shower one day. <laughs> his little daughter was there. And then this people came and just took all of it. They took his like bassoon and you've, like everything, his car, everything. That was Kent County, right? Yeah. That's an example it. of the counties that are like more uptight about Grand it and, and aggressive. That's Grand yes. Rapids. Yeah. yeah. Th- those are the counties that are aggressive versus like Washtenaw or Ohm and, like passive, and Third yeah. Coast yes. have been for years where yes. they don't make a priority out of it. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. But it, it turned his life over so much, do you know, mm. just in a huge way. And he was just chipping away, fighting away at this nonsense. Do you know what I mean? It was just nonsense that whole time. So um, who else took a stand? Woody Harrelson, notable, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 96 in Kentucky. He basically like planted some hemp, I think on like the county building yeah. lawn or yeah. something. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, fuck! I did knew a, I loved like that guy. Thing I love. I mean, I a while him. a while ago, there was there there were some people who were doing that in like on like the main street in some town like out west, and they were like planting cannabis plants inside of like the street planters. <laughs> ah, yeah. And like cops nice. were like, cops are putting out one more warning about this. <laughs> Whoever's doing it, like they're gonna find who like planted oh, these. One more oh. warning. I think, yeah. I think <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> I feel like. I feel like, God, I wish Dory was on here because Dory has stories about, you know, that overpass off of 175. Like Dory's always, we're on the highway and Dory's like, I used to grow weed right there. It's like on a fucking ramp. Friend of mine lived back there. There was a trail here. We'd run over there with our backpacks and like do all this stuff in the middle of the night and then run out. And she's just like, oh yeah, over there too. She was just scampering around highways. That's how we did it back in the day. <laughs> did you have a patch off a highway? I did. You did? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What? Mm-hmm. A couple different ones. Uh-huh. Holy shit. Mm-hmm. And you'd go scamper over there in the middle of the night and grow? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I, we would plant sometimes in the daytime, but, you know, you figure out various ways to to make it work. Right. Well, yeah. when you're work overnight next to a highway, you usually expect overtime pay. So, <laughs> <laughs> That's right. yeah, yeah, gotta gotta go to work <laughs> right here on this overpass. <laughs> Anna, what did you have a highway patch of weed as a no, child? <laughs> I, I didn't. No, no. Okay, fine, whatever. Um, <laughs> Debbie Goldsberry and LV Musica. So. I think Debbie Goldsberry was the person who started the Cannabis Action Network. And I, um, since this podcast started, and since October, it's January 2020 now. Um, back in October, I started working with the Michigan Cannabis Industry Association and realized like how many associations and groups of organizations you know have come up and been like like leap was an early one and cannabis action network and normal and all these organizations that like we're a group of people that needs to get together and cause change to happen and it's really impressive it's really impressive democratic kind of fight and spirit kind of thing once you realize like how many people have gotten a busload of people together 
and traveled across the country yeah. trying to change the world. And how much time, I, I think this is becoming, I, I never realized before, now that I'm doing some of the grassroots work in Michigan for psychedelics, mm-hmm. I really have a great deal of respect <laughs> for the people who've been doing this in the cannabis world and also all the other sort of grassroots movements because it's a lot of time, a lot of energy, a lot of um, everything that you put mm-hmm. into it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have a lot of respect for you all who have been doing this. Yeah, yeah. And so another shout out to, uh, so uh, part of this story, a lot of this story is like healing and science. And right in the middle of this book and this story um, was the AIDS crisis. So around 1981 and why are gay men suddenly immune compromised? And it's this whole, you know, and it was a, it was like a plague. And there were people afraid to touch AIDS patients. Mm -hmm. They didn't know how to treat AIDS patients. It was a panic. Mm -hmm. And so obviously a lot of the symptoms could be helped by cannabis and there were cannabis compassion clubs that were um, sort of secret, but not in every place, you know, in California, they were pretty open, but um, compassion clubs were like, you can come here and, we know you're sick and we will help you without shame or retribution or anything. And um, so shout out to Brownie Mary. Mm-hmm. So Brownie Mary, so on page 229, Julie, mm-hmm. look at page 229. So Brownie Mary was committed to helping AIDS patients by making brownies. Um, and see if you can find a quote either. Do I have Brownie Mary written somewhere on the side? You have a hi- No, you have her name highlighted. What about over there on the left? Ah, there we go. Mary Jane Rathbun? Yeah, tell me a little bit about her. So this would be in the, uh, like, early 80s in the San Francisco area. So read a little bit about her. Okay. Mary Jane Rathbun did her part by baking as many as 15,000 marijuana brownies a month and distributing them free of charge to HIV-infected patients in the AIDS ward at San Francisco General Hospital. Nicknamed Brownie Mary, this plump grandmotherly figure with curly gray hair and a sweet disposition began volunteering as a nurse's assistant at the outset of the crisis when when few were willing to work with HIV-infected people. Yeah. Think about that. 15000 a month? A month. She's kind of oh. what the what the modern version of medical marijuana is based off of. She, I mean, she yeah. led to that pretty yeah. much. And that's yeah. opened the doors to, to get to, you know, mm-hmm. more ease, easing up on a, just an adult, personal adult use. Mm-hmm. 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 She's huge in the, in the history as far as I'm concerned. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And it's such a, like, she was a woman that made brownies. Mm-hmm. That's basically what she was mm-hmm. and delivered them to people. But it was mm-hmm. such a, like... It was profound. It was profound. Such an act of compassion in a way uh-huh. that um, we need more... Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. also that sounds like a full time job. To me. Fifteen thousand. <laughs> you know, I don't. You would never not be making while. brownies. <laughs> yeah. It's like yeah. Where, where was she like, operating at? And for free, understand. she was handing these out for free and hand delivering them too. Yes. It's like yeah, it's so much work. Like it's so wow. wonderful. And but it says here too, like. Um, she comforted AIDS page, patients mm. for 13 years. My Aww. kids, she called them, sharing her quote unquote magically delicious brownies Aww. and doing whatever else I needed bet. to be done. Aww, that's yeah. incredible. Yeah. So, um, Julie, you've had kind of a, 
I would I would say a unique perspective among at least the four of us here in that you've started working with the university um, and scientists and studies and and your background is more therapeutic and so but of course to get something legalized it has you have to be able to research it and all that and that's why it's woven together but tell us about what you have seen in the last six or seven years just the more like I know you've been able to talk at different symposiums and and things like that so tell us about how that's more coming together now yeah I think what is starting to happen is you know this opening that you referred to earlier is you know what does it take to get people to actually to change right and um and to be aware and to accept the science. And, and I think that that's what's starting to happen. Um, little by little, as the the word is getting out and it's becoming more and more acceptable, um, those people whose minds were just so made up, you know, that they, they were so set that they were not, this was not ever going to be something that they would recommend or research or prescribe or, you know, work with a patient who's using... Um, and just little by little by little, we are like inching and inching and inching. And what's beautiful is that when you continue the path forward and it starts to sort of exponentiate in, in a faster way, um, it's so beautiful to watch sort of that like unfolding of that mm-hmm, happening. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what's exactly what's happening little by little. You know, uh, I go into the U of M um hospital oncology department and you know each time I go in and each time I talk to somebody different and that another person's mind is opening to the possibility but what's amazing about that is whether that's a researcher or a doctor or a nurse or um, a physician's assistant um, nurse practitioner is that um, you know how many patients that affects when one mm-hmm, mm-hmm. one professional changes how they feel about this the the effects. I mean, we're talking about thousands, and we're, U of M Hospital Oncology <clears throat> and yeah. Palliative Care. Do you know? You know, it's huge. Yeah, the number yeah, of yeah. patients that that affects is just incredible. It's yeah. such a beautiful, beautiful thing to see. And yeah, we're up against still some people who are just. I don't know if their minds will ever change. You know, mm-hmm, I like mm-hmm. to hold hope that there, there's some possibility, and I hope that they're never touched by a reason why they would need cannabis so badly, or I hope that a family member or a friend of theirs would never need to you know right. be in that situation um but um yeah it, it's really a wonderful thing to see yeah mm-hmm. yeah and i i think it's also really a powerful testament to like i don't know just the plant medicine itself mm-hmm. um there's a book that i i know i told shelly about it and i would love to do an episode on it sometime it's called plant spirit medicine and it's oh, all yeah. about like all different kinds of plants you know oh, julie gotta be in on that uh, yes yeah. absolutely but <laughs> but it's like you know that's the plant spirit itself is like it's healing and it's compassionate and it's like you know it doesn't harm you in any way like it's just healing 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 like no matter what your reason is so I think that it's almost like you know I can kind of visualize it like infiltrating those hospitals Ah, and those places you know to where you go back become aware and like understand like people need this then giving it to the masses it's like yeah yeah Yeah. Yeah. well and like, so there's this interesting thing in this book, because early on in the book, it talks about, you know, in Mexico, the curanderas. Are you, have you ever read books about curanderas? Um, so not sort of not like, a book, necessarily. Not necessarily. But I've heard heard of it, yes. <laughs> Julie hates it when I publicly ask her if she's read something. <laughs> any book. Because she's like, book. no, Shelley, I have not read that book. <laughs> Quit asking me. <laughs> You're not the only one. I forget that not everybody. 
I understand that not everybody reads like 12 books a week, <laughs> like a maniac. Um, I get it. But you never know. <laughs> you never know. It's good to ask. Because you did read that one Michael Pollan book. I listened. Okay. I listened. <laughs> well, yes, see, that time, that time I would have been right. <laughs> I would have been right. Now I've lost track. I have no idea. Curandera. Curanderas. Curanderas. Like, that I grew up with kind of this, this medicine is correct and this medicine is sort of witchy, <laughs> crazy. <laughs> Even like chiropractic was in there. My parents would be like, well, he's a chiropractor. <laughs> like, I'm like, well, that's maybe legit. I don't know if he understands my spine. I don't understand my spine. I don't want somebody putting needles in me. Like, I think I was suspicious young about modern healthcare. Like, take this pill. I'm just saying, we just go, okay, thank you, bye. And I was like, wait, what? Was that all okay? <laughs> the way that went down. And, and so, because a lot of my adult life, I haven't had health insurance or a lot of interaction with modern health care. And so when somebody is on a lot of prescription drugs or um, goes immediately to surgery or something like that, and I'm always like, well, so how did that, what did you try before then? Like, did they try to cut out salt or... Nope, nope, got this pill. Gonna get my leg cut off in a couple days. I'm like, wait, 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 wait. This seems so sudden and like tried everything. Did you sleep it off? Could you like drink more water? Like and realizing how it must come across. I don't know if I sound pretentious or like an idiot, but like it's genuine curiosity. It's like, wait a minute. How did how did we become a people that just walks into a stranger's office and spends a few minutes with him and leaves with pills. Like, that all seems so scary to yes. me. It seems so yes. scary to me. I'm like, why do you trust that? Yeah. You just yeah. blindly trust that, but this plant that's growing over here that never mm -hmm. hurts anybody, you don't trust? Like, mm -hmm. when did we, how did we become that kind yeah. of person? Yeah. And this book, it's kind of lays it out. Like, here's how mm. this was promoted, this was damned, people this made was money off of it. People made money mm -hmm. off of it. Yeah. So, which brings me to, Marinol. So when we think about like weed to the masses, you know, and what that would mean, well, I think one thing t I would want to caution against, I guess, is something like Marinol, where like Marinol was this, um, you know, THC derivative cannabis substitute that was sort of legal in certain circumstances for a while and prescribed to people. It still is. It still is. Mm -hmm. And all the research is like, yeah, it's not as good as, as the plant, though. <laughs> but why do we buy into something more if it's a pill? Is it just years of programming? Yeah, I think yeah. so. <laughs> yeah. Is FDA that just approved. it? hundred percent, yes. Yeah. Yes, because it's approved by the FDA mm -hmm. and the doctor and the right. insurance company. We were told the, all our lives just to trust Western medicine. You know, we're never yeah. told. There are lots of different ways. People in different areas of the world. I right. think that's a really big one, yeah. you know, that crosses a lot of different lines, but, like, of things we're not told. But, like, places in different parts of the world don't do this you know uh -huh. this is just kind of how we do it and there are other ways of thinking you know? yeah. yeah and also I think that chasm that we were talking about the lived experience versus what's been told to you for me in healthcare, it was like well if, if you're digesting well and you can touch your toes and you have peace of mind and you know you you know have enough food and water and air like why are you going to the doctor all the time like why I don't understand that. You know, my lived experience is like, this is me taking care of myself. That uh, is like yes. 
giving money to an organization that I may or may not use, who doesn't know me, and it's right. mostly paperwork, right. and like, yes. they ask me a bunch of questions that don't have anything to do with my health yes. before they even get anywhere. And then and I like, blindly do everything they say. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. And I'm like, but none of them ask me like, oh, like, oh, this is gonna be cute, we'll see. <laughs> Zeta just jumped into a little bag and it was the greatest thing ever. <laughs> so I got distracted. And there's her head. Aww. Hi. <laughs> That's the problem with Zeta at the tapings is this happens. Right. And then it's all like I can think about. Yes. <laughs> Aww. Aww. Look at her in her little case. So cute. Oh my God. Oh my God. There's a I took a picture of it. Um, this is a show that we should do on Reeds and Weeds. Uh, tangent, but I think you'll get, you guys will love it. Um, I saw it on the newsstand, Inside Your Dog's Mind. Oh, <laughs> I, I would love that. I feel like inside, like, um, understanding what your dog is thinking is really every stoner's dream scenario. Yes, right? Like, yes. Just having a conversation oh. with Zeta. <laughs> just, oh. Not that we aren't already, but, you know. Right. But like for real. Yeah, it's a little more confirming than the conversation we have in our minds. Right. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. Like, am I leading this this thought process? Is this really what she's thinking? No, my cat talks to me, you guys. I know. I know. What? Like what? Give us an I'm example. I'm making a joke. But no. she does in a way. <laughs> oh, yeah, someone she was talks just saying to me. Someone just told me the other day that their cat goes in the basement. I can't remember who this was. It was like yesterday. Their cat goes in the basement literally and was like, hello. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh there's this great meme right now going around of uh um so oh my gosh it's like it sounds like an, a southern woman saying how y'all or something like that it sounds really oh my gosh I, I'll, I'll look it up and i'll send it to you guys like a cat sound it's, no it, it's a cat it is a cat that sounds exactly like like my mom it's a cat that Aww. sounds like a southern Aww. lady saying like, yeah, yeah. It's, it's adorable. You gotta, it's worth one of, it's definitely worth one of you guys trying to remind me of what it's about in five minutes. <laughs> it's that level of importance. Um, okay, so uh, I, I think we're up on three o'clock here. So I'm wondering what kind of final thoughts you guys have. I mean, this is an epic, really, if you haven't read the book, um, Smoke Signals by Martin Lee. I wish everybody, I wish it was part of a curriculum in school, like a history, like maybe in colleges in the next few years, that can be someone's movement to like educate people, like make it a part of history. Mm. Make that type of thing like a subset of a university, Ooh. you know, where you actually understand things like prohibition and... Yeah. Oh my God! Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That would be. Did you guys uh, go see Martin Lee a couple years ago when he was here? No, I didn't. No. I did not. You did not. When? Okay. Where was that? Where was he? He came to U of M. He did a oh, talk at shoot. U of M at Rackham Auditorium, and then we had him come to um, Bloom and Blue Sage and do a meet and greet afterward. And it was—he's a awesome. lovely, lovely person. Oh wait a minute! Maybe I was there. Were you? That seems like something I would have done, right? I would think During so. that era, two years ago. Two years ago, I was uh -huh. there. I would think so. Yeah. Yeah, it's so hard to remember stuff. Because <laughs> <laughs> you do a lot. We do a lot. A lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay. Any other last-minute thoughts on 
the history of the cannabis movement. <laughs> but I think we wrapped it up. No, well, you it's brought just up John Sinclair briefly, but uh, oh, it yes. is extremely cool that that uh, our guy who's still around now mm -hmm. uh, contributing when he can do his oh, thing. Wait. In fact, I was there with him and Brian Basor for the first rec purchase in Michigan. Yes, at yes. Was mm -hmm. yes. And, uh, he kicked it off in Michigan for us. This yeah. fifty yeah. years of uh, getting to where we are. He he Seriously. was he was at the forefront of that. Yeah, and Julie, there is something that you can read, actually, okay. because it's John Sinclair and John Lennon, right? Uh -huh, uh -huh. John Lennon in Ann Arbor yeah. causing a ruckus mm. to free John Sinclair. Yes, mm. yes. Isn't that amazing yes. to think? That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I don't, know if, I don't know. I'm trying to find it. Okay. That's how um, ridiculous it was. That was the... Uh, uh, 10 for 2. Oh, page maybe 113. 113. Page 113. Yes, see what that is. Okay. We have a... Um, the Rainbow People's Party relocated to Ann Arbor in 1967. Okay, so here we go. John Sinclair, a cultural worker and community organizer in Detroit, was sentenced to 10 years in state prison for giving a couple joints to an undercover cop who had repeatedly nagged him for some weed. In addition to forming LEMAR, chapter for Wolverine weed lovers, he launched the White Panther Party, which was renamed the, P the Rainbow People's Party after it relocated to Ann Arbor in 1967. He urged his youthful followers to join in a total assault on the culture. John Sinclair. John Sinclair. So he was a little bit targeted for stuff like that. And yeah. they yeah. got him for pot, but then he fought yeah. it. Yeah. And the Supreme Court decision went his way, and there was no prohibition against cannabis for a while in Michigan in the 70s, for like a month. Yeah. Uh, and <laughs> that's, a what month. Started, that's what started <laughs> Hash Bash. The, hash day bash. the day before that the legislature was passing laws to cover that ground mm. that, the, that the Supreme Court had taken away. Yeah, I thought this part was really cool, too. I highlighted it here. Um, while in jail, Sinclair wrote The Marijuana Revolution, uh, panegyric de pot. He believed that cannabis heightened his awareness of the world, boosted his creativity, and this is my favorite part, and promoted solidarity among different peoples, a credo from which he has never deviated. And I was like, yeah, that's, that's super cool. Just like yes. solidarity among like different people. He's, that's lived, just he's like, lived like that. It's demonstrable. I mm -hmm. mean, that's, that's another thing. You can look back on some of this history. Yeah. Some of it's close enough to like. Mm -hmm. And just that cannabis can do that. It's like, it doesn't matter. Yeah. You know, so many mm -hmm. different people use cannabis, so many different mm -hmm. reasons. And when yes. they get together in a yes. room, like everyone's yes. going to light up a joint, yeah. you know, it's like right. awesome. Yep. Right, right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we're still, we're in, then now there's us. Yeah. We're in this story. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> we're in we it. Are. We're in it. <laughs> right, right in the middle. Yeah. Um, so thanks for talking about that with me, y'all. Yeah. Thanks for having me. This, like, Jamie's right. This could be. 10 shows about just smoke signals but really I hope so many people read it um, and share it and talk about it because what whatever it is that can change people's minds or help people understand the plant or, or the right and wrong of it and see the truth of it and learn from it I think it's Especially if you're an activist or you're running for office or you want to get involved or it's it's very comprehensive. So um, definitely recommend it. 
And um, I'll, yeah. tell you, I'll tell you what, in the next month or so, if you guys would like to come on to Jazz Cabbage with me and talk about this mm. book and expand on this discussion here. Oh, yeah. yeah that'd be cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's always like what we're talking about, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I think that's it. Anybody got anything to, Julie, you got any Michigan Psychedelic Society stuff coming up? I do. Actually, I have, um, both Michigan Psychedelic Society and Decriminalized Nature Ann Arbor. So, um, Decriminalized Nature Ann Arbor is ready to go approach city council and ask them to look at our resolution to decriminalize entheogenic plants and fungi in Ann Arbor. And we are hosting a meeting it is January 17th. It's a Friday. Mm-hmm. It's at 7 p.m. and it's at Sunward Co-Housing in Ann Arbor. And we are hosting the community. We really want to um, get everybody prepped to go talk to their council person um, and to um, we'll give you know the proper language and the proper messaging um, so that you can do that. We'll help you do that. Um, and we're going to strategize how we're going to talk to council, who we're going to talk to, and who we're going to approach to uh, propose this matter at the council meeting. So um, everybody who is interested in this cause should come to this meeting. And please, 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 if you are an Ann Arbor City resident, um, it's really vital that you come because the city council members need to hear from people in their wards. That's who they're really going to listen to. We need everybody behind us to make this happen. So come either way. Um, but our focus to get Ann Arbor City residents there is really, really important. Um, and then the Michigan Psychedelic Society, um, we have our next meeting is January 18th, which is a Saturday. And that's um, from 630 to 830 at the Ann Arbor Friends Meeting House. Cool. What do you got coming up, Anna? Not much. I'll be, I'll be hanging out. Come, come, <laughs> come see me at home sometime. Yes. <laughs> no, we we love when our when our omies come in that we've known for a long time. We just get to hang out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's the best thing. Yeah. And any um, gigs? Or are you just kind of getting to know your new keyboard? I'm gigging. I'm gigging with a few different friends. I'm jamming a lot. Where so. Where are you gigging? Anywhere um, we can come in the next yeah. week or two. Yeah, on January 23rd, I'll be at Willis Show Bar uh, with some friends, Danny Darling, um, oh, yeah, Raven Edie, and Tariq Gardner. It's really I've cool heard it was so and like great. posh. I don't know. It's yeah. just fun. Like, you get to dress up and <laughs> yeah, go out. Yeah, I want to like, go. Julie, drink. we should go. Oh, yeah, where Let's is it? it? It's at Willis, Sh- Willis Show Bar. Um, it's, where is that? It's downtown on Anthony Wayne Drive. Okay. Like that in Forest. Nice. That sounds like a Shelly Sundance Lynette Aww. Mm-hmm. Julie awesome. day. Okay. So Let's think? Do it. I'll be there. The It'll 23rd. be fun. 23rd? Coming out. Mm-hmm. Is that right? 23rd? 23rd. Yeah. Should cool, be. cool. Jamie, what you got? Well, I guess a couple things. Uh, Rick and I, Rick Thompson. Yes, I, Rick Thompson. At the Benzie County uh, something or other meeting. <laughs> talking about do, a, do like the city like these township hall type things yeah, or, yeah, you know yeah. council meeting planning meeting whatever right. whatever, yes, whatever yes. whatever's going on and yeah. we're going to discuss you know what what happens if somebody's looking at bringing in uh, the businesses into their locality yeah. and stuff like that and right. we'll do that again in uh, Addison Township <coughs> Lenaway County off 127 and oh. Main Street on the 18th so 16th in Benzie County 18th there and then I'll be in Florida but Rick will be part of a uh, discussion at the library in Ypsilanti oh, wow. which would be a cool one I mean I wish I was going to be there actually but I also am happy that I'm going to be in Florida at the yeah. same time <laughs> yeah 
Uh, and I think Annie Somerville, who's a city council member and who's also on staff with uh, Senator Irwin. Yeah, I invited her uh, today. Will be there and uh, and they will they will have a good discussion. She definitely has been working on this issue. And one of the cool things she's done she's is great. to expand on the social equity uh, mm-hmm. concept and try to have the locals add more to it, you know, mm-hmm. on that level. Mm-hmm. So they'll be interesting to see well, how that plays out. But that's really cool. Yeah. What day is that? That is on the 23rd. At the oh, cool. Same day. Yeah. Same day. Whole day. Oh, yeah. yeah. Somebody can go spout off about cannabis and then go catch some good music. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Let's, do that. Let's do that. Sign up. Everyone has Sign up plans. online. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I have another gig until 50 First Jokes, but. <laughs> but, uh, no, not fifty first jokes, but the next home show. No, the next home show. The next home show. Um, the next home show. But I feel like there's something else. There's just uh, MICIA. If you happen to be listening to this and you're a licensed cannabis business, you got to join us. You got to join the industry association. Mm-hmm. We know what you're going through. We know if you're a grower that it's hard to pass tests right now and you don't understand why. <laughs> we know if you are primarily a cart company, then you're also in trouble. We know, we know, they, but they we want to hear more. They know if you've been good or bad. Huh? You know if they've been good or bad. That's what I know. <laughs> we know. We know. <laughs> we know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I it's a new also. weird song. It's a new weird song that I'm playing. Yeah, it's designed to make you uncomfortable. It's great. <laughs> it's a whole album just to see if you can get through it without squirming. Oh, I've gone off track again, folks. Okay. I think we're just wrapping up. I don't think I have anything else unless, well, what we are trying to do is uh, Seat of the Soul also did not get recorded, so we're trying to redo that. What we're trying to do in January is cram in a whole bunch of Reads and Weeds episodes here in Fundamental Sound Co. land, and uh, hopefully we can do that. Hopefully we can, you know, get the ones made up, so now we're only going forward. But um, we'd love to hear from you, and we'd love to have you Come and read along with us. So, what are we going to go out on? Um, we got Bob Dylan or Peter Tosh. Yeah, let's go Bob Dylan. Right, can you go wrong. Let's go Bob Dylan. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, this has been Reads and Weeds, episode 20 something. <laughs> Smoke signals. Goodbye. Peace. Thanks, Anna. Thanks, Julie. Thanks, Jamie. Thanks, Cedar. Thanks, Taylor. How many seas must the white dove sail before she sleeps in the sand? Yes, and how many times must the cannonballs fly before they're forever banned? The answer, my friend, is blowing in the wind. The answer is blowing in the wind. Yes, and how many years can a mountain exist before it is washed to the sea? Yes, and how many years can some people exist Before they're allowed to be free? Yes, and how many times can a man turn his head And pretend that he just doesn't see? 
The answer, my friend, is blowing in the wind. The answer is blowing in the wind. Yes, and how many times must a man look up before he can see the sky? Yes, and how many ears must one man have before he can hear people cry? Yes, and how many deaths will it take till he knows? That too many people have died. The answer, my friend, is blowing in the wind. The answer is blowing in the wind.